This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Matt Bolin and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. It's amazing when you start to use the word I know with God. I know that he's going to do this. I will do this because I know my God and what he does. And so I'm going to brag very quickly about a friend of mine in this service right now. I, wasn't, I was actually very surprised to see that he is here tonight. Um, right back here, left section right here. Good looking guy right back here with a very nice wife right here. Yes, this guy, Miss Gary Bender. Last Wednesday, no, Friday. Was it Friday? Friday morning, Gary went in to have surgery on his foot, something that's been ailing him for about a year and a half. A long process. He has believed God. He has had to, he's a, he's a very avid hunter. He's an avid golfer. He loves to be very active, loves to work out, ride his bike, run, do everything he can. He's just very active. Well, this foot has been ailing him for a long time. The doctor came to him and said, we're going to have to have surgery. This is, there's nothing else we can do. We're going to have to have surgery. And here's what's going to happen. He went in, took an MRI, looked at everything, and they said, you're pretty messed up. We've got to go in and repair ligaments. We've got to repair all this stuff. And what's going to happen is you're going to be out for about eight months. Eight months. And it was one of those things that he doesn't like to just sit. It's not like, oh, well, that's cool. I'll just sit on the couch and hang out for eight months. That'll be fun. that, That was like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to miss golf. I don't want to miss hunting. I don't want to do these things. So he started digging the word of God pastor's been speaking on faith and he dug in. He didn't just read the word. He absorbed the word of God, which means that it's not just, yeah, I was reading a good book. It's like, I am looking at it going, I know the greatness of God. God, I know. So when he prays, he stood forth and said, God, I believe this. I believe this. I believe this. Last Wednesday night, I go running out of the hall down here because I saw him leaving and I said, hey, I want you to know we've been praying for you. And he goes, oh, I know it. You know what's gonna happen? I'm gonna walk into that surgery room and I believe the Lord has already gone before me. And he said, MRIs can say one thing, but the Lord's word says more than that. And he said, when I walk in, he said, the doctor's gonna cut me open and go, wow, I didn't even see this. It's even better than I thought. I can't imagine why we thought we had to do this. And he said, he may fix a few things, but that's it. He said, I'm going to be back on my feet faster than anybody who's ever gotten this surgery done before. Friday morning comes. He's got that same attitude, that same faith. He walks into there. Everything around him screams and says, eight months, eight months, eight months. He walks in. They cut open his foot. They cut it open, look at it, and the doctor goes, wow, I guess we didn't see it this way. I guess the MRI was wrong. I guess this. He starts justifying what's going on in his mind. Gary's out six weeks. He went from eight months to six weeks because he stood on faith. God still does miracles every day. The reason why I tell you this is this. No matter what you're going through in life, God still cares for you. It's just a foot. It's not like this. And that's what I used to do. I used to classify things. Okay, God will heal cancer, but I don't know about this. No, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. He stood on the word of God and said, God, you're still the miracle working God. What we sang tonight, do it again, God. You've done it before, God, you can do it again. Do it again, do it again. God, there are mountains in my way. Move those mountains. I speak to those mountains. And that's what he chose to do. And so tonight I wanna talk to you a little bit about how to absorb that faith. Take that inside of us because every one of us deal with this. That's not the way God created it. God said that you are a light 
a light that is to be on a hill, that when darkness is around, it doesn't affect you, you affect the darkness. That you stand and that nothing around you can impart their ideas into you, but you impart your ideas into them. And what I mean by it is very simple. If I shut the lights off in this room, it may become very dark, but the moment I turn one light on, it doesn't fight with the darkness, it overtakes the darkness. And it's a choice that we choose to make that faith, faith is an I know kind of attitude. I know the greatness of the Lord. I know the greatness of the Lord. That's the way we should start out every prayer with our Lord. That's the idea and the understanding that it should take on there. And so um, we're going to go ahead and start and get into the message. None of that was a part of the message. I was all free. So there you go. You got, uh, you know, this is like bonus coverage. So you've got the uh, deluxe version of the DVDs here. So we're going to go ahead and start. Tonight's message is going to be titled Faith Advice. Faith Advice. So if you're taking notes, we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 1, and then we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, and then we're going to kind of, we're going to stick in those areas right there. And so um, I encourage you, go ahead and go to that area. We're going to pray, and then we'll get on with service. So let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, just as we talked in Psalms 135, I know the greatness of my Lord. And Father, I know what great things you're going to do tonight, but not only that, but Lord, what you're going to do inside of each of us. Father, much like a mind is just literally blown when you impart something incredible, I pray for that aha moment tonight. Father, that we may receive what you have for us. Father, that through Peter, who wrote a letter, Lord, let us learn from him. Let us understand that when we are in suffering, there is still encouragement. And so, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I pray your blessing and peace. I ask, Lord, you help me to speak this message with simplicity and clarity. Father, giving me thoughts and ideas, things that I'd planned on not saying so the lives would be affected and touched tonight. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we celebrate you, and we look to you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. First Peter chapter one is where we're gonna start. So um, it's not very hard to figure out who wrote this. Um, I thought it was like one of those trick questions, so I did actually look it up. It is Peter that wrote it, so uh, that's good. So you got that right, you got the first question on who wrote this. But I want you to understand this because Peter's writing this letter to Christians and it starts out here, verse one, it says, first Peter one, it says, this letter is from Peter. That's where I figured out who wrote it, by the way, if you weren't sure. Okay. So this is what I did. An apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people. Okay. So that very simply points something to me. Well, who are God's chosen people? Remember he says in John 15, he said, John 15, 16, he says that I chose you before you chose me. I chose you to bear fruit. If you'll stay connected to the vine, you'll be able to produce this fruit. The vine is found out to be the Lord. If you'll stay connected to God, he says, those are the chosen people. That's who he's writing it to. So who we're talking about tonight is you and I. You're the chosen people that God has. I am, you and I. He says, who are living as foreigners in a providence. And he goes to them to name some different spots. And I said, okay, God, is, are you really, is this strictly for them? And he said, do you feel like you're a foreigner? And I said, there are a lot of times I feel like I'm a foreigner. Not part of foreigner, because I'm not very musically talented, but that's okay. Um, but I feel like I'm a foreigner in certain situations. I feel like I'm not set up to fit in that area. You know, you just feel weird that it's not I don't know what it is. I I just can't explain it any better than that, that you feel like a foreigner. Well, that's what God's saying. He's saying, this is for you. So he goes on verse two. 
And he says, God the Father knew you and chose you. I like that statement. I marked that in my Bible because I thought, you know what? There's a lot of times that we look in the mirror and we see who we are. We know what we've done. We know what choices we made today. We know what bad things we've done in the past. But it says this. I love that. And it says, God the Father knew you. He knew you and chose you. And I think that's such a key point right there we have to pick up in our lives is that God knows you and knows what you've done, but yet still chooses you. I'd still choose you today. I still would choose you tomorrow. I still choose you in this moment. I still choose you in these areas. And he said, chose you long ago. And his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Peter recognized something. Now remember this. This is the same Peter that walked on water. But he's also the same Peter that wouldn't stand up and say, I know who Christ is to a little girl. Remember he said that Jesus is telling what's going to happen. He's telling the future of what's going to happen. I'm going to get crucified. Here's what's going to go on. Peter stands up and goes, whoa, 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 God. None of that's going to happen. Jesus, that's not going to happen. I'll never let that happen. And so Peter's first reaction is to go natural, right? Remember, Jesus gets, uh, he gets bombarded. They're coming after him. And what's Peter's first reaction? Grab a sword and attack them, cut an ear off. I don't know if he wasn't very good at aim or if he was just nervous, whatever it was, but he missed his whole head and got his ear So he cuts the guy's ear off. Jesus picks it up, puts it back on and says, Peter, that's not the way to fight. Jesus goes through and he goes through this whole thing. And Peter sees what Jesus is going through and says, God, I don't know if I can handle that. And so when he's asked if he knows who Jesus is, he automatically says, no, this is the same Peter. The same Peter that was offering encouragement, who needed encouragement and recognized that there are gonna be trials and temptations that you deal with. But there's someone who can encourage you someone who can help you during this time. And so this is what Peter is talking about. And he starts a letter to offer encouragement to suffering Christians. I love this statement because there's a scripture, Psalms 35, verse 28. And I want to put this up here. It says this, and my tongue shall talk of your righteousness. Because when we understand the truth, we understand that he knows who you are and he knows who I am, but he still chooses us. Not only does he choose us, he chooses to make us holy. So in turn, what we need to do is come back and recognize, and my tongue, verse, 30, or verse 28, it says, and my tongue shall talk of your righteousness, righteous and justice, and of my reason for, my reason for the whole thing, your praise all the day long. What he's talking about is simply this. My tongue is gonna continue to remind my mind and my flesh of how amazing you are, God, of the righteousness. Remember, the Bible teaches us a righteous man falls seven times yet gets up. God never called you to be perfect. He called you to be righteous. He called you righteous because he knows you and chose you, and he chose to make you holy. So when we put that all together, all of a sudden we get this. But I'm a failure. Yes, but God lifts us back up and makes you a champion, makes you a victor. Where we come short, where our weakness is found, God says, I'll show you my strength. Remember, the Bible teaches us, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So when I learn to lean on him, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, not on my own understanding, but lean into what God has, 
He said he'll put you on the right path to get you where you need to go. It's a process that it walks through. So as we understand 1 Peter, he starts to train us and teach us this. Peter wrote this letter to encourage each and every one of us. And so um, let's turn over to 1 Peter 5. And I encourage you, if you have not gotten back into the book of 1 Peter in a long time, get back into it. Read it over the next couple of days. Go through, just read one chapter a day if you need to. Or read the whole book again and again and again. And what's going to happen is you're going to start to pick things up. You're going to start to read things and they're going to, you're going to be able to look at yourself and say, that's what I need to be doing. Those are the steps I need to take. And so here he is, 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 5. And it says this. It says, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. He goes on, he says, and all of you. So he's getting to the point right here. He's telling the younger ones, listen, accept the responsibility. There's, there's some heritage there that you can get. There's some good things you can get from the, el- the elders, from the, the older generation. They can teach you a lot of good things. They can help you along the way. And so the older ones are going, yeah, exactly. See, they said, listen to me. I'm a lot smarter than you. Listen to what I have to say. But that's where he comes back and he says this. And all of you, now he's talking to everybody. And he says, dress yourself in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so what he's talking about in verse five, he says, humility is simply a choice. It's as simply as a choice. He said, dress yourself, put those clothes on. When you choose to do that, just like you chose to put on the clothes you have today. We've got Tommy who has not taken his North Carolina jersey off the whole week because he's so excited there in the final four. He's got that stuff still rocking. He's got the Carolina shirt on today. He'll probably have it on all weekend too down at the Men of Iron. That's okay. He can celebrate those things. But he made the choice. I would never make that choice because I'm a Duke fan. But that's okay. We'll leave it there. He made the choice in that area to do that. Well, it's the same thing. Just like you made the choice to wear the clothes you wore or are wearing today, you can make a choice to say, I want humility every day. How is that simply done? You go to God and you say, God, you said that you would grace me. You would give me, you would make me holy. And so, Father, I'm here. Clothe me in humility. God, clothe me in humility. You take that first step. Then he goes on right here. So he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So now all of a sudden he says this, so humble yourself. Humble yourself. Do you realize that if you don't ask God, that's a form of pride? What you're saying is, I can do this on my own. I got this. I can handle this. Who is that centered on? Me? I? You know what the middle of pride is? There's a simple letter found right there. I. Pride is centered around me. But if I'll humble myself and say, God, clothe me with humility. Because God, I don't want to be prideful. Because I know that you oppose the proud. You oppose those who are prideful. So God, I want to humble myself. Grace me today to be humble. So verse six, so humble yourself under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, oh, that's a good verse right there. I like that part. Because at the right time, he will. See, if you've got a marker or a highlighter or a pen or grab a pen out of the seat back in front of you, 
Take that, you circle that, and you say, at the right time, he will. Now, all of a sudden, go back to Psalms 135 that says, I know the greatness of my God. I know that he will lift me up in due time. He will lift you up in honor. Understand this. When you humble yourself daily because God is always at work, you humble yourself because you make the choice. It's very simple. There is a due time. When you think about the word due, a lot of times we think of pregnancy. When are you due? When are they going to induce? When are things going to happen? Well, it's in nine months. There is an appointed time. Nine months is an idea. It's never right. I don't know any baby that's born exactly from this day to this day, exactly nine months. God always has a purpose. You know, with my kids, they were early. With other kids, they've been late. With other kids, they've been really early. Some have been really late. They, they have an idea, but they don't know. But there's a due time. And I know this, that no matter what the doctor says, no matter what the nurses say, there is a right time. There is a perfect season. And I want you to understand this. God will lift you up in due time, in due time. So humble yourself because what happens is if we become prideful, guess who tries to lift us up? We do. Well, how can you lift yourself up if you're the one that's on the ground? God is the only one that can reach down and lift you up. So simply all we can do is say, God, I trust you. I'm gonna sit and be humble in this area. So he goes on. When you're pregnant, remember that the due time is coming. It's coming. It's coming. But I've been waiting for two weeks. Good. Stick in there. But I've been waiting for 10 years. That's okay. Keep going. Remember Joseph? 13 years he stood on a promise. Do you remember Abraham? 25 years he stood on a promise. Patience. Trust. Don't fear. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't doubt. Because what you're going to do is stand in faith. You get faith by standing in the word. And we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about that. But let's go on. Verse 7. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Now you got something to back you up. Because you understand this. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So if he's going to lift you up and you trust him, then give him all your worries. Give him all your cares. Give all those things that take your time and say, God, I give it to you. Take your bills Put them on a table and and significantly show yourself saying, God, I can't handle this anymore. Take your finances, put them there and say, God, I can't do this. I have messed this up more than anybody I know. God, I need you to move. So God, I'm putting my cares upon you. I'm putting my worries upon you. God, I want to humble myself. Teach me. That's what humility is about. Being taught, being able to be taught being able to say, yes, sir, being able to say, yes, ma'am, and be taught about those ones around you. So he goes on. Remember this, trusting God is a process. So as he says this, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. It's a process to learn that. As we go through this, sometimes we have to remind ourselves, he really does care for you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life right now. I think a lot of times we mess up because one of the most common mistakes that we deal with is we think trials and temptations, you know, we deal with those things and tribulations, the trials produce faith, but that's not what it produces. The only thing trials produce is patience. Trials produce patience. When you go through patience, you have to be strong by faith. The only thing that teaches us faith is faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. 
That's the only way that faith grows. Faith grows through the word of God. So when you're dealing with something that is a trial, a tribulation in your life, you need patience. How do you get patience? Well, patience is fueled by faith. Fear doesn't fuel patience. Fear makes you make a decision instantly that causes more issues down the road. But God said, stand faithful. Stand in faith. Remember the word that says, be still and know that I am God. When you stand in faith, you have to. Because to know of God, to know God, it's got to be done by faith and faith alone. So what he's doing is faith simply comes from the word of God. Faith is what you do during the time when you need patience the most. Faith is developed as we act on the word of God. So we continue to go through this. And he says this, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you. And then verse eight, stay alert though. Stay alert because he's catching you. Because at times we get so focused on everything else saying, okay, God, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. And we miss the opportunity because you know what's happening? The enemy's sitting there watching us also. And he says this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What he's looking for is those ones who are getting frustrated because what he does is he fuels the frustration. Frustration doesn't fuel faith. Frustration fuels fear. We've got to make a decision. Am I going to stand in frustration and be frustrated with everything in my life? Or am I going to step out and be in faith like God has asked me to? Because remember this, trust the process. Trust the process. God has, a, has something incredible. The definition of patience is being consistent or being the same way at all times. Maybe that's a new way we need to look at being patient in our lives. That I shouldn't be this or this, and you never know who's going to be there. Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde, you never know who you're going to get. It's going to be this guy or is it going to be this guy? You should be the same at all times. That's what patience, that's the definition of it. So as we continue, the enemy is coming. We've got to stand faithful. We've got to trust in God, but we've got to be alert because we understand this. Our thoughts can lead us to a bad place. So verse nine, so he goes on and he says, stand firm against him. Stand firm and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. And what he's saying is this, listen, you're not the only one. The enemy will try to isolate you and say, Chris, you're the only one that's ever gone through this. No one ever goes through this because you're such a bad person, because you're such this, because you're such that. And that's the enemy trying to attack and the Lord's going, no, 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 Chris. Listen, I can share people in your lives. I can teach you, I can help you that have gone through that or are going through that right now so you can encourage them and they can encourage you because sometimes in life we will be down and we need someone to help lift us up and sometimes that's God sending people into our life. Sometimes it's found through the word of God. Sometimes that's found when you turn on the radio through a word, a message, a song, whatever that may be. God can answer in so many incredible ways. I think so many times we put them in boxes and we say, God, this is the only way you can do it. And God is screaming out the answers all around you, but you're so focused here, you're missing everything else. I love it because, you know, when you go back and read the New Testament, read about the stories of Jesus, he never healed the same person the same way twice. He was different every time. So why do we expect him to be the same with us every single time? You know what? Sometimes it may be through a person, maybe through a boss, may even be through an unbeliever that some sort of faith is shed upon us. 
We've got to be open to what God is doing because there's always something. And what he's teaching us is this, when you stand firm, there's a book I read years ago by Watchman Nee. It says, it's called Sit, Stand, Walk. No, Sit, Walk, Stand. That's it. And so what it does is it, it, it teaches you. And in my mind, the reason why I said it that way, walk, well, you should learn to stand, walk, and then sit, right? That's the way life should be. You learn to stand up, and then you learn to walk, and then you get tired of all of it, so you have to sit down, right? Well, that's not what he's saying. He's saying is this. You need to learn to sit. You need to learn to rest in under the Lord. And then there's going to be times that God's going to call you to walk, to take the steps. And then there's times that you're just going to have to stand there. When no one else is standing there, you're going to have to stand there and say, I'm not moving. You're going to have to have the attitude of Jacob with the angel that says, I'm not letting you go till I get blessed. You've got to stand firm that becomes, like Pastor says, the bulldog kind of faith. You're not letting go. You're locking on that says, that's what I'm believing for. And I know that I know that that's what I'm getting because in due time, in due time, he will lift me up. In due time, he will lift me up. You continue to receive that. So you stand firm against him and be strong in your faith because not only are you going to be strong for me, I may need to be strong for Bob and Bob needs to be strong for me. So we're helping each other out. We're lifting each other as we walk through this. So he goes on and he continues. Verse 10, it says, in kindness, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, oh, this is good. Because every one of us have gone through this and we all suffer, we all struggle, we all do these things. He says this, he says, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. On a firm foundation, all power to him forever, amen. What he's talking about right here is, listen, you are gonna go through some things, but trust me. If you'll stay through these steps, step one, dress yourself in humility. Step two, humble yourself. Step three, understand that he cares for you through everything. Be firm. Step four, watch out because the enemy's coming after you. Step five, understand there's coming a day in due time, he will restore you. He will support you. He will strengthen you. And he will set you on a firm foundation. He steps forward and he says, God is gonna simply do all that he's called you to do if you'll stand firm. Stand in faith. Walk it out. Trust in God in these areas. And then we go back to Psalms 35, 28. It says, and my tongue shall talk of your righteousness. You know what's gonna happen? You stand firm. God takes you up the steps. You stand firm and you're excited to be here. You know what you're gonna face next? another step. But you're going to say, God, you took me up these steps. You took me through a process, and I know that you can do this. God, the doctor said eight months, but Lord, I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles, and I believe, Lord, if you had Peter walk on water, if you had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand in a fiery furnace seven times hotter that burned the men that were just throwing us in, And they got up and walked around, and Lord, you were there with them. Father, I know you can do it again. I know that you can do it again. And you start pronouncing that and sharing those things, and God continues to move. And God moves, and God moves. And what happens is your faith gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then he goes to this, verse 12, it says, I have written this and sent this short letter to you to help with Silas, whom I commended 
to you as a faithful brother, my purpose in writing, this is his purpose, catch it, is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in his grace. I started to think about this. And I started to think about Peter. You know, Peter was, Peter struggled. Peter struggled with his faith. Remember, we, we, you know, Peter was a very bold man. Man, Peter got out of the boat. Everybody else had an opportunity, but Peter was the one that got out. Peter walked on water. He walked on water. No one else, just him and Jesus, just, just chilling on the water. I don't know if they wanted to do dances or what they were. I mean, he could have done anything he wanted. But he lost his faith. Remember that. He lost his faith. Because remember, he started to sink, right? And then he cried out to God and said, Lord, help me. And Jesus bent over and what did he say to him? You of little faith. Ye of little faith. Dude, you were there. You were doing it. You were doing it. You were doing it. So now... Peter's older in life. He's gone through some trials. He's gone through some temptations. He's gone through some of these things, and he's now writing this letter to encourage you and I. And I don't think he's just writing it as an idea. He's writing it as a bold statement. He's saying, listen, I know who you serve. I know who you're following after. Let me tell you how amazing our God is. And he gets back to the very bottom. It says, my purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you. Why can he assure you? Because he's gone through it. What you're experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm. Because it may not look like it's going to change today, but you know what? If you stand firm, God will give you the strength and the grace to get through anything that comes in your life. Too many times in this life, we allow circumstances to define who God is. It's time to put a stop to that and start allowing God to define our circumstances. It's a choice that we choose to make. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.